Well, you know, about, I don't know, every, seems like about every six weeks, God says, preach on faith. Because, you know, heaven is not just a good idea. Miracles are not just a good idea. It's normal. And anytime you are living a normal life, you are not living the Christian life. Anytime you are going a, a single week without seeing a miracle, you are living in Adam. You have fallen once again. And you have forgotten, like Eve, who you are. And it is very easy, especially, you know, when we are renewing our minds and we are in the process or in a process, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've just had two inner healing sessions with Nate back to back in the last two months. And I have had a massive breakthrough, memory healings. Uh, lies being uprooted in my heart that I had believed since I was two years old but was not aware of it. Didn't even have a recollection of that memory. But I just want to say this, beloved, you cannot be deceived that just because you are in the process of renewing your mind, that you're renewing, your unrenewed mind is your identity. Your unrenewed mind is not your identity. You're, you're not going to be more of who you are when you get in agreement with it you are not going to be more of who you are when you get in agreement with that. What will simply happen is that the manifestation of who you are will be more apparent. Does that make sense? So today, God said, preach faith. Because if there is something going on in your life that is illegal in heaven, then your agreement with it is a problem. Now, Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Where? In earth, as it is in heaven. So God's will is heaven on earth. God's will is always healing. God's will is never lack. God's will is never strife. It's never striving. It's always for things on earth to be like heaven. Jesus said this when he began his ministry. He said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. From the moment that Jesus hit the planet, he demonstrated what it means to live in union with God and release heaven in every situation and every circumstance. And he preached over and over and over again. This was his message. He did not preach salvation. He preached the kingdom. And he said the kingdom was at hand, that it was here on earth right now because he was here on earth. And guess what? The kingdom is here right now as well. It's right now, right here, right this minute. And the word of God is clear. Not only that, quantum physics is clear. That what we believe 
affects the material realm. So Jesus said, repent. Repent means to change your mind, change your belief system, and stop thinking that you're waiting on something. Stop thinking that something else has to happen for the kingdom to manifest. Because that very belief is the delay factor. That very belief that something else has to happen, that you're lacking something, is why you're lacking something. Because quantum physics literally proves that what you believe actually affects the material realm. Now, the Bible's been teaching this since the days of Solomon. The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What Solomon said was, as a man thinks inside of himself, what a man believes is what the man will manifest. And so if we are not manifesting heaven, then we are believing something wrong, and we need to repent. Say repent. We need to change our mind. We need to change what we are believing. Jesus taught over and over and over in the gospel that all things are possible. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to them that believe. So how many things are possible? Are there any impossibilities for the believer? Does Jesus have something that you don't have? Did Jesus, as an earthly, in his earthly ministry, did, did he have something that you don't have? Did he have more Holy Spirit? Did he have a closer union with the Father? In truth, maybe not in walking it out in reality, but it, 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 the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells where? In you. What spirit? The same one? A different Holy Spirit or the same Holy Spirit? The same Holy Spirit, the exact same Holy Spirit that dwelled in Jesus, that worked the works of God, dwells in you. So there must be something different about what we think than what Jesus thought. That's the only difference. And Jesus preached, repent, change what you think, change your mind, change what you believe. Right? Miracles over and over and over again were based on what people believed. Let's go over to, um, the, let's just go to the, the centurion. Um, over and over again, Jesus would say, be it unto you according to your faith, according to what you believe. All right? Um, let's just go to Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1, it says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there was a leper that worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So here's the point. Is God's will always heaven? The guy wanted to make sure it was his will. Hey, is it your will that I have leprosy or is it your will that I'm cleansed? And so he said, hey, it's my will. You're, it's my will that you be healed. It's always God's will that people are healed. It is never God's will that people die of sickness and disease. It is always God's will. Jesus never, ever once turned a single person away and said, no, I want you to be sick. No, he said, I will. And then he just said, be clean. And Jesus said to him, go and tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. 
Now, verse 5, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him. And Lord said, the Lord said, uh, the man said, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, well, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go when he goes, and to another, come and he comes, to do uh, to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And he said this to you, Many shall come from the east and the west. They will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way as you have believed, so it will be done unto you. And his servant was healed in this selfsame hour. Go your way as you have believed, so it will be unto you. Your belief matters. What you believe matters. And guess what? You believe a bunch of stuff about everything. You are believing making machines. And we allow things besides the word of God to define what we believe sometimes. We allow other people's experiences to define what we believe sometimes. We allow our own experiences uh, to define what we believe sometimes. We let the opinions of other people, the opinions of people that are not in line with what Jesus taught, define what we believe. We let Old Testament thinking define what we believe. Oh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We start to we start to compare ourselves to Job or we start to compare ourselves to David. Do not take your spirit from me. These people were not even born again. And we start to 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 believe a lie that is is it's contrary to the kingdom has arrived. Guess what? The kingdom had not arrived in Job's day. The kingdom had not arrived in David's day. But Jesus came preaching, the, key, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, believe the good news. Listen, we are not victims. We are not victims, we are more than conquerors. Through him, we are more than conquerors. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from him, from the love of God. God is love. There's nothing that can cause you to become less than who God says you are unless it's you. You are the only hindrance in your life. What you believe is the hindrance in your life. Now the enemy wants you to agree with something other than the gospel. You say, but it isn't working for me. I've tried it. It didn't work. No, you didn't. It always works. It always works. Jesus said this. The centurion said this. I am a man under authority. And I understand the way things work. See, I understand 
Jesus, that when you're, what, what you say is like what I say. As a centurion, there's no if, ands, or buts about what I say. When I say go, the soldier goes. When I say come, the soldier comes. It doesn't, you don't ever sit around and go, wow, I wonder if he's coming. I wonder if that soldier's going to obey that command. No, it's just like that, Jesus. I understand the authority that you walk in. I understand the system of heaven. I understand the authority that you walk in, Jesus. I understand it. And I have faith in it. And I believe in it. And Jesus said, well, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. This guy wasn't even an, a Jew. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have the promises that the Jews had. He was an outsider who was operating in faith and believing the right thing to such a degree that Jesus marveled. Okay, let me look at another scripture here. Just give me, give me one more here. Let's just go to Romans 10.10. 10. Um, we'll start in verse 5. It says, Moses writes about this, about the righteousness that is by the law. The person that does these things will live, the, live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that's to bring up Christ from the dead, meaning it's already finished. Do you understand? This is the, this is the righteousness of faith. It's finished. So it doesn't say, oh gosh, is, is Jesus going to come back and fill something or do something more? It says no, but what does this faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is how salvation works. You speak with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. There is no sinner's prayer. This is what you say, Jesus is Lord. That's what you say. You don't, you don't, you don't go to the altar and, re, you know, that's repentance right there. Jesus is Lord. You've just repented. And you've declared that Jesus is Lord. Is that the truth? Is he in heaven? Yes, he's Lord. And it says here, if you believe in your heart that Jesus, God raised him from the dead, you're saved. So it has to do with what you say that's in agreement and what you believe in your heart. And when your heart belief and your, remember when it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as soon as your heart repents and you get in agreement with what is true, your mouth will say the right thing. Because the truth is you're already getting what you're saying. And you're already saying what you believe. So it's already working. So this, I tried it and it didn't work, is a bunch of baloney. You're working it every day. You're saying what you believe every single day and you're having what you say and what you believe every single day. So it is working. What you say is not working is it's, you're not, you're not having what you want. But you're not having what you want because you don't believe. Because Jesus is Lord. It says if, Jesus, if you say Jesus is Lord, 
and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what's your problem? You've got a believing, a belief, a, a, a heart problem. You have a heart problem. You've got a belief problem. You're, you need to repent. You've got to change your mind. You've got to change your heart. In verse 10, it says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Now, this justification is not just about, you know, entering into the kingdom. It's not just about the initial salvation. Matter of fact, that word that's translated saved here, preachers have preached that it means if you say Jesus is Lord and you believe God raised him from the dead, that you will be born again. It doesn't, that, that word is not translated born again. It's the word sozo. It's a Greek word sozo, which we're familiar with to a certain degree. But that word sozo is like likened to the Old Testament word shalom. Okay? Where you can think of it as totally whole. It has to do with wholeness. You know, God has been speaking, you know, the word for 2014 is the word relax. I've been talking about that. It's the word relax. Now, let me tell you why you can relax. Because it's finished. The reason you can relax is because it's finished. Now, but there's a word that he's been speaking to me, and I've been praying over every single one of you. I've been praying over the body of, of Prayer Mountain. I've been praying it over my leadership teams. I've been praying it over Prayer Mountain. And that word for 2014 is wholeness. You see, the word shalom and the word wholeness, the word sozo and the word shalom have to do with there is absolutely nothing missing. There is absolutely nothing broken in any part of your life. That means mentally, that means physically, that means spiritually, that means financially, that means relationally, that means socioeconomically, that means, that means vocationally, that means there's absolutely no trace that the fall ever happened in your life. That is the kingdom, that is the promise of the cross, and that is our inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High. That is absolutely what Jesus was crucified for. He was brutally murdered. He was absolutely taken out by the spirit of religion for this purpose, for wholeness, for wholeness. And I am so thankful... To be on a road and on a journey to wholeness in my own life. You know, in my last session with Nate, I've shared it with a few people, but you know, some breakthrough happened in my session because I've always known something was freaking wrong. You know, I did. But, but I didn't, it's like, you, you don't know what. Anyone that doesn't believe in inner healing doesn't know a thing about neuroscience, doesn't know a thing about brains, doesn't know a thing about how the mind operates, doesn't know a thing about how human beings and stress, and not, and I, when I say stress, I mean stress is, trauma is a better word to describe what I'm talking about here, but here's the deal, trauma doesn't have to be trauma. Trauma can be your sister got a lollipop and I didn't. Like I'm just saying, it literally can be. Because at the moment that you believe that, there was, you believe something was wrong with you. And the moment you believe something is wrong with you, something becomes wrong with you. And it manifests in sickness, it manifests in disease, it manifests in all kinds of stuff. And it's stored in your heart. And guess what? Your heart is not just your mind. It is proven by scientists and medical doctors today that memory does not reside just in your brain. 
that memory actually resides, it's called cellular memory. And that it's more, that, that the cells of our memory, there's a powerhouse in our cells called the mitochondria. And it's like, more like a generator that has an energy field all throughout your body. So it, the point is, is that stress and trauma is not just, your heart is just not this, 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 your heart, and it's not just your mind, it's you. And lies are stored in you. They're not just stored somewhere in this little mind somewhere. They're stored in you. That's why when the truth is stored in you, wholeness manifests, number one, throughout your whole body, and secondly, the material realm responds to the truth that you carry. That's why John G. Lake, saliva could kill disease. Because why? There were cells in his saliva that knew the truth. You guys, there are experiments that they have done, governmental experiments with quantum physics, where they have taken saliva, taken saliva out of a person's mouth. They have separated the person from the saliva, and they have done tests where they, they put, um, have the person who's separate from their saliva think good things and they can measure the response of their saliva. Their saliva that's not even in the same room with them responds as that person responds. What you believe matters. What you think matters. Toxic thinking leads to toxic bodies leads to toxic relationships, leads to toxic finances. It leads to toxic, toxic careers. What you think matters. No one is your problem. Not a single person on earth is the problem. No one could stop Jesus. No one could kill Jesus. He had to submit to death. He had to become obedient unto death. He had to literally die. He had to decide to die. He said, I have the authority to lay down my life, and I have the authority to take it back again. That means no one had the authority to kill Jesus. No one had the authority to cause him to die. And let me just say this. No one in your life is supposed to have that authority either. But let me tell you this, what you believe about death will manifest. What you believe about sickness will manifest. What you believe about lack, what you believe about every other of your life will, will manifest. Okay, with your heart you believe and are justified. Think, let me just say it another way, made perfect. Justification is the perfection of Christ. It means that there is absolutely no charge that can be held against you. In the court of heaven, you are justified. You are found perfect. You are found not guilty. It means that you have not broken the law, not one jot, not one tittle. You are absolutely justified. You are righteous. You are perfect. You are the holiness of Jesus. You couldn't be any more justified if you were Jesus himself standing there. And it says, with the heart, man believes. With the heart, you believe that you're perfect. With the heart, you believe that you are justified. With your heart, you believe that you are whole. And it says, and it is with your mouth 
that you profess your faith, that you declare what you believe, and it's with your mouth that you profess it and that you are saved, that you are sozoed, that the wholeness becomes manifest. See, you know, a lot of times people try to change what they say without changing what they believe. And let me tell you, that's confusion. Because when your heart and your mind do not agree, the heart will always win. You cannot mentally assent to the truth. That is not believing. It's not the heart, it's not the truth that you can recite. It's not the truth that you can memorize like a parrot and speak. Okay, parrots are not moving mountains because they say, mountain move, mountain move, mountain move. No, they learn to just blab it out. They just learn to say the right thing. So you can say the right thing all day long and be dead in a week. So it is not about just saying the right thing. This whole blab it and grab it, you know, name it and claim it. That's where it got such a bad name. Because people were saying a whole bunch of stuff and nothing was happening. But when you believe, the truth of the matter is you don't have to say much. Because you're not trying to convince anybody, including yourself. You can always tell how much faith is present by the prayers that are prayed. In In the realm of faith, less is more. In the realm of the kingdom, less is more. Three words, let there be light. Lazarus, come forth. Peace, be still. Woman, thou art loosed. You see that? Belief. Amen. I tell you, we're going to preach it. I mean, if I have to preach it once a month, whatever we need to do, because I get to, you, let me tell you, yeah, in one sense, I have to say this, in one sense, there is a process. But the process is simply getting you to believe right. Because it's already finished. Let me say this, there is not another outpouring coming. There is not. Wake up and be who God has created you to be. The mo- because you're waiting on something, you're not being who you are. You're waiting on it. I need something else. I need a new thing. I need a new infilling. I need a new touch. I need a new, when, even if you get a new touch, it's just so you'll believe that you got something that, frankly, you already had. But it became some kind of point of encounter for you that allowed you to get in agreement with what was already true. Encounters are not about you getting something that you don't have. It's about you realizing what you already are. It's removing the hindrances to you releasing and being what is already true. 
And I get that the feelings are real. I get that the torment in our minds and our hearts is real. I totally get that. But just because it's real doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's real does not mean it's true. Now, I will tell you this. The Word of God is alive. It is supernatural. It might be words on the page. I mean, it might look like this is not just any book. I have a ton of books in my iBook. But none of those books are alive. I have one living book on my iPad. And it, I'm telling you, it's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what it does? It divides. It divides the light. It divides the dark. It divides the truth. And it divides the error. And it's alive. It is alive. The Word of God is alive. And I'll tell you this. David said this. He said, I have hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Now, David was not born again. He did not have a union with God. So all he had was the word of God. That's what he had. He had the spirit upon him, and he had the word of God. But he hid the word of God in his heart. Guess what? I didn't have inner healing when I was having miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. You know what I had? I had the Word of God. And the Word of God said to me that the barrenness was under the curse, and it said that He makes the barren woman to be the joyful mother of children and to keep house. And it was the truth. The truth was being presented to me contrary to what my experience was. But it wasn't just, just any old word. It was the word of God. And it was alive. It's alive. It means it's like a plant outside. It means that it's, it's living. It's moving. It's growing. It's, it's alive. It's, it's alive. You know, Bill Winston's church that I came from, it was called living word. You know, for just to say word of faith is not the right, you know, that's just, it is the word of faith. That is the word of faith that we preach. But it's not the logos word. It's the rhema word. It's not just a dead word. It's not, it's a ray. The, the word of God is alive. And you need to know it. Yes, this is a spirit church. Yes, this is a Holy Ghost crazy encounter church. But the word of God, if you don't, if you do not know the word of God, you will be deceived. You will be deceived by your encounters. You will be deceived by the experiences that you have from God. And you will not know whether or not what you are hearing is true or not. Because the Word of God has got to be the foundation. I get that it's not a part of the Trinity. I get this. But the Word of God is what we're preaching. It's the gospel. We wouldn't even know the gospel if we didn't have the Word of God. If we didn't have Paul's teachings, we wouldn't even know what the gospel was. We'd have a, a lineage of things that are handed down to us, but we would not have, we are, get, this is, this, this generation is so gifted because we ha, are so, just so blessed because we have the Word of God. And the Word of God, James tells us, is like a mirror. It means that you hold it up to yourself and it tells you who you are. It's the manual of royal conduct. It tells you how sons of God should think and how sons of God should act. And I get the whole world is living contrary to this stuff. 
And it will try to get you to compromise. It will try to get you to rationalize. It will, there are systems for every kingdom miracle. There is a medical system that replaces kingdom divine health. There is an education system that replaces kingdom principles for educating our children. So there's an alternative in the world for everything, about relationships, about marriage. I mean, somebody the other day came up to me, and I, don't, I hope you're not, if it's you, I'm not going to, I don't even remember who said it, so I'm just saying it. But somebody came up to me and said, what do you think about this the other day? said, you know, um, you need to find out before you're married if you're sexually compatible. And they were serious. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Hmm. How long have you been a Christian? Years. Hmm. And you're literally considering that this might be right. Yeah. Have you read your Bible lately? Like, and where in the world does it ever talk about sexual compatibility being any part of what marriage is about? That is such a self-centered, world-based philosophy. Like, what in the heck is the purpose of marriage? And where did you get that idea? Did you get the idea that marriage was the place that you're supposed to be made happy? You tell me where it says that in the Bible. That is a lie. That is a philosophical, self-centered concept. That is not the mind of Christ. There is no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends, including spouses. Marriage is about sacrifice. There's not a thing in marriage or any love relationship that's about you. No, that's the truth. That's not just good. That's the, that's the, that's the truth. This whole dating crap, that is not in the Bible. That is a worldly, fallen, self-centered system. Where you have idolized another human being, and you have made a God out of another person. And you need them, therefore you can't love them. Because you cannot love what you need. You know, when Jeff Turner was here last week and he said God was self-sufficient long before he created Adam. He did not create Adam out of some narcissistic need to be worshipped. Worship is about us. It is not about God. I'm telling you, worship is about us. It's not about God needing our worship. It's about us needing to worship. Worship changes the worshiper. It doesn't change the one that's worshipped. Not if they're God. <laughs> Maybe if you're Billy Idol. Worship might change you. But not if you're Jesus Christ. You 
know, that whole, that's just, but the truth, there's a truth about every area. Every area, relational truth, financial truth, physical truth. Things about our purpose and about our destiny. Things that we are here for a reason. Never, I mean, we are here for a reason, you guys. Life is so short. Eternity is a really, 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 really long time. Your bad day is not that bad. Can I say it again? Your bad day is not that bad. It's honestly narcissistic. I love you, but I'm telling you the truth. Last time I checked, we don't have anybody that's in here that's scheduled to be martyred. We don't have anybody in here that's in prison for preaching their faith or standing up for what they believe in. Last time I checked, most of you have eaten pretty regularly. You probably have. You look pretty good. You got nice clothes. You know, guys, the Western church and this idea of what Christianity is, it's, it's, it's a lie. It's a Western philosophy. And it's a lie. And happiness, by the way, doesn't come from all those things that, that, that you, that we think that we, that, that make us happy anyway. It doesn't have the ability. It doesn't have the power. It's not been created to have it. God is love. And ultimately, He's the answer. You know, we think, man, if, if everything's not going just right in our lives, will something, no, it's, that's not the case. I mean, peace surpasses understanding. Peace surpasses circumstantial trials and situations. We have a joy that is not of this world. We have a, a place. Yes, we use our faith to release heaven. We absolutely do. But if you have to have those things, to, Jesus had peace. That's why I could release heaven. He wasn't releasing heaven so he could have peace. It's backwards. He had peace and so therefore he could release peace. He had joy, therefore he could be joy. So where was his source? And where did his power come from? Based on what he believed. He believed the gospel. He believed the truth. He knew where the real source of all pleasure came from. His father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. My pleasure, son. I'm pleased with you. Here's my pleasure. He was anointed with joy above all of his fellows. That means he was the happiest dude on the planet. He was the happiest person on the planet. I'm telling you, that's, that is, that is, that is real. And that's how you know if the gospel's working in your life. The joyometer. That's how you know. Are you believing correctly? It says, that we have joy is found in believing. Joy is found in believing. That means that depression is found in unbelief. Depression is found in the wrong belief. And if I'm the enemy, and all it takes for me is just to mess with your circumstances a little bit, you know, that was really the, the whole point of Job. It's not really about God taking things from Job. 
It's really about Job's standing in what he believed, no matter what. You know, I've heard it said that everybody has a price. I've heard it said that everybody has a, there's a price of compromise on everybody's life. And I'll say this, that's the enemy's purpose, is to find your price. And I'll say this, when he recognizes that you have no price, It's when you find your life. You see, the word says those who lose their life find their life. And those that hold tight to their life lose it. But the enemy, that's his, that's his job. Find their price. You know, I knew that I had made a breakthrough in my third miscarriage when I was so full of joy of God. When I was literally like, something must be wrong with me. I've literally broke with reality. I'm certifiably insane. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this is how Paul felt in Philippian jail. This is it. I finally tapped into something that is so supernatural, that is so otherworldly, and I hadn't even heard of John Crowder yet. I'm just saying, something happened to me. And here's what I know happened. I believed no one could have convinced me otherwise. I don't care who you were. I don't care what your name was. I don't know how much money you offered me. There was nothing, nothing that could have taken the fact away from me that I was the joyful mother of children. I was fully persuaded. I knew it. I knew it. And I also had such a revelation at that time about the, temp the temporal nature of this world. You know what? Sometimes suffering is tied to this concept of time. Like all kinds of lies. I mean, I loved what Jeff taught on last week about how he is the Alpha, he is the Omega, he's outside of time. Our original glory is way more powerful than original sin. But I'm telling you, I, had a, I have a revelation of this stuff. And I saw, I was outside of time that day. And I saw this tiny little couple of pages in this story called My Life. And I saw a couple little pages in there, like where the heroine has her third miscarriage. And, blah, 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 and I just laughed. I just laughed at the audacity of the enemy to think that he could, he could, total, that he could even steal from me because these kids are in heaven. Like it's a lie that they're even gone. Okay, so I got to look, I lost a little bit of time with her in this fallen planet. Well, geez, Louise, if you've been a parent for five minutes, that might be a blessing. And I don't mean that because of them. I mean that because of me. I'm just saying, if I had the option of choosing heaven or going through this planet, and if I got to, when I got to heaven, know all the people that I would have known on this planet, but I got to just miss all of the pain? Well, I'm sorry. It's a good option. It's a really good option. And let me just say this. I hate to say it, but I realized for me to grieve that would have been selfish. 
it would have been about me and what I missed. Because that baby's sure not missing anything. I'm going to be there. And a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years, so it's going to be really fast for that baby. And while I'm here on this planet, obviously there's a reason. I'm here for a reason. You are here. We are here. We are on the planet for a reason. A short little time. Short amount of time. Short. It's short. It's short. It's short. It's so short. It's like this. Like this. Like this. But perspective. Beliefs. You know, there are challenges going on all over this room. Like, I know there are, there are battles, there's issues, there's, there's fights, there's all kinds of situations. In my own life, my husband's not here today because he's been having dang gout for a week and a half. So it's not like I don't have problems or I don't have situations or that you, like, I recognize we have opportunities to grow in the midst of trials and tribulations. The Word of God says, don't be surprised when those things come against you. Like something unique is happening to you or something like you're the only person on the planet that's ever had to deal with, you know, bankruptcy or the only person that's ever had to deal with a a cancer report or ever had to overcome, you know, a a negative childhood or whatever. Like you're the only, like it's, that's self-centered. I mean, let's, can we just call it what it is? Self-centeredness is misery. It's misery. It's absolute misery. I'm not talking about self-care. I'm not talking about having a good relationship with yourself. I'm not talking about taking care of yourself and, 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 and doing what you need to do to stay in a, in a healthy place with your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself. That, that is absolutely, that's good. That's not narcissistic. That's healthy, you know? I took the day off yesterday because God told me to. I got so much to do, so much to do. And God's like, no, you're not doing anything today. You're taking the day off. Now, that was not narcissistic. That was wisdom. Because if I hadn't taken the day off, I was going to become narcissistic. That's the truth. Self-care is about guarding your heart. Self-care is about about keeping yourself in the place where, you know, Jesus went away to the mountains to pray. So that's not, that is not selfish. I mean, I'm, not everything we do for ourselves is selfish. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. It's not selfish to need to have healthy boundaries. It's not selfish to say no. It is not, it is not, those are not narcissistic things. Jesus was very clear about his yes being yes and his no being no. So, I mean, it it takes maturity to even know the difference. You know, I loved, um, I'll just say this, I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm just being led by the Spirit, so I'm just going to preach. You know, Nathan did this little thing in our session together. I'm going to have him, next time he comes back next month, I'm going to try to get a time maybe that he can do this. And he said, you know, you've got to learn what you are responsible for and what you're responsible to. He said, because they're not the same things. See, what you are responsible for is, number one, yourself. 
You are responsible for your emotions. You are responsible for your attitudes. You are responsible for your actions. You are responsible for your words. You are responsible for the for your, uh, did I say atmosphere? You're responsible for those things. You are responsible to walk in the Spirit. You are responsible to uh, maintain a, a godly disposition and walk in union with Christ. You are responsible for renewing your mind. You are responsible for your choices. You are responsible for those things. No one on planet Earth is responsible for you. No one's responsible for making you happy. No one has the power to make you sad. That is a lie. No one has that ability. It's called you do not know what wholeness looks like. And you have not learned to be responsible for yourself. You weren't taught or you just haven't grown into that. Either your family didn't teach you that or whatever, but you're not responsible for others. You're responsible to others. And so that means that you protect relationship. It means that you apologize when you get out of being responsible for yourself and do something stupid. See, you are responsible for your actions. So you're responsible to the person that you acted like an idiot around. You're responsible to protect that relationship. You're responsible to all of the other scriptures. You know, pray for one another, right? All of the, uh, you know, care for one another. You're responsible to them, but not for them. Because it's a lie to think that you can make another person happy. No one, you don't have that power either. And when we grow up in homes where that's all mixed up and we don't know what we're responsible for or what we're responsible to, we have really just lousy expectations of other people. And we have, and other people have really lousy expectations of us. And there, there's all kinds of offense that starts to happen because you don't know where I end and where you begin and where you begin and where I end. And so it's another thing, too, is you think everybody else is the problem. And if everybody else would change, if everything else would change, I could just be happy. If these circumstances and everything else could just be all right, I would be happy. And the reality is, if happiness is dependent upon circumstances, then that's not happy. It's dysfunctional. Happiness that's dependent on outer circumstances is dysfunctional. Paul said, I have learned to abase. I have learned to abound. I have learned to be content. I have learned to have peace. I have learned to have a, 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 a heavenly atmosphere, no matter what is going on. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I can do all things in Christ. Christ strengthens me. For, and it says this, I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything, is what it says in the Amplified Version. I am ready for anything, and I'm equal to anything through Christ. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And that's what maturity looks like. 
And see, what happens when we don't have this kind of maturity is circumstances going all around us, and we're like, we're like the ship that's tossed in the storm. And as the circumstances go, so we go. As the situation goes, so we go. And as the good things go, we're happy. As the bad things go, we're sad. It's just, it, we're just exactly like the world. And that's what the Bible calls carnal Christians. That's what the Bible says is a carnal baby Christian who's acting like a mere man. Whew. Okay, let me just say one more thing. You need to resist self-pity. Self-pity is a spirit. It makes you feel sorry for yourself. It's called the victim mentality, and it makes you feel sorry for yourself. Some of you, it's running your families. It steals your power. It steals your authority. Because you cannot take authority over something if you're under it. And when you feel sorry for yourself about your circumstances, you have no authority over your circumstances. You have no power over your circumstances. Because you now feel sorry for yourself about your circumstances. You just got to open up your mouth and say, self-pity, I'm not participating in this party. We are not having a pity party today. Because demons are the only people that come to pity parties. We're not having a pity party. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. Well, that's why you need to rejoice. See, the thing, there's a secret that the enemy doesn't want us to know. That's why worship is so powerful. Especially when you don't feel like it. It's called the sacrifice of praise. Is that when you do the right thing, the feelings will follow. Feelings are lousy leaders. They will get you and lead you in the wrong direction about 100% of the time. That's why love is more than a feeling. Love is more than a sex act. It's a choice that you make time and time and time and time and time and time again, regardless of how you feel. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. How many times do I forgive my brother when they've sinned against me? Well, seven? No, 70 times. It means it's a choice. That's why you choose by an act of your will to forgive. And the moment you forget, you can't, you can't feel right until you've forgiven. Once you forgive, then the feelings change. People try to feel like forgiving. No, you forgive and then the feelings change. They're trying to have, they're trying to lead with their feelings rather than, than by a choice. You choose life. You choose life. Today I set before you life and death and you choose life. And more than, more, more times than not, if you choose your feelings, you will choose death. The, your feelings can be manipulated. Your feelings can be influenced. Your feelings are not an indicator of the truth. 
The truth is independent of your feelings. Now, your feelings can agree with the truth. Your feelings are good. I mean, they're, they're made by God. There's nothing evil about your feelings. They just were never designed to lead you. I don't know what I'm preaching about, to today or who today, but God is for us. There is a miracle. There is a miracle for every problem. There is a miracle for every problem. There is a miracle for every problem, God says. There is a heavenly provision for every problem. There is a breakthrough and a testimony for every situation. There is heaven's agenda for every negative thing. Whether it's multiplying food or creating a new heart. (laughs) Whether it is checks in the mail. Right? Jobs, whatever. I mean, whatever the issue is, whatever is, is, is contrary to heaven. There is a miracle that is available. But your mindset, you have to believe. You've got to believe correctly. God will not move beyond your belief. An entire generation of Israelites could not enter into the promised land because of what they believed. I mean, geez. I mean, it's over and over and over. According to... To you, be it according to you. Let me say, the enemy wants you to stop believing, stop standing. He wants you to give up the fight. He wants to separate you from the promise, separate you from the finished work, separate you from the truth. I mean, I see miracles all over the place with your name on them. Deb, I see you releasing miracles at your job. I see you praying and laying hands on people and people getting healed. And I also see you speaking to your body. I see those cells, like literally like little lieutenants, like giving you a little salute. I, I, and I feel like there's been some chaos in the camp, right? But it's time for general, time for the general to get back in the, back in the saddle. So because when the general is in position, right? The army will move forward. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And it's an assignment, Deb. God's just, this is, this is, you are a general on assignment in this city. And let me just say this. There are jobs in this city that have been reserved for the people in this congregation. God has, is holding open jobs and doors for people in this situation. People that have been called to move up here. People that have been called to live here. And it is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie that there are no jobs in this city. I break that off right now in Jesus' name off of your con- I break that lie. I, bre- I don't care if there's ten jobs. They're prayer mountain jobs. Because there is a move of God on this mountain that has been prophesied. And it is not going to be by a broke people. It is not going to be by a disconnected people that are not a part of this community either. This community is needing what is right here in this house. And it's going to happen by the saints actually getting into the community. We are not going to hide in church. And so, Father, I just declare right now, 
that the jobs, and first of all, everybody that has a job, that lie, whatever that lie is you have about that job, like that is somehow some kind of distraction from kingdom work about how that is keeping you from doing your ministry. I break that off in Jesus' name. That is a lie because your ministry is that, that work. And somehow you have, de- you have devalued those people that you are working with. And somehow you have, have valued and esteemed something other than the very ones that you have been sent to. And God says you are sent. There is a sending into the marketplace. And there, it is a lie that something is sacred and something is secular. And that if you're working in a non-profit, somehow that's holy. And if you're working at McDonald's, somehow that's lowly. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you know what? God loves the people at McDonald's. God loves the, I'm telling you, he loves these people. And revival is not going to happen in this place. It's going to happen out there. This place will be a place where you learn where you are so that you can go out there. So I just take authority over that. There is no separation. When we walk out the door, that is the mission field. Amen? So go get those jobs. And it's not about, don't, don't, let me just say this. God, Lord, don't get your self-esteem from your job. Yuck. 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 Your self-esteem is in Christ. Your job is your assignment to release heaven to people who don't know Jesus. And if you got to go poop, scoop up poop at the park to go meet the gardener because he needs Jesus, then poop scoop. I'm saying, do what it, I mean, come on. People need Jesus. All right. Well, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for correcting mindsets this week. And I just speak a strengthening to your inner man. I say, wake up. And I say, get up. I say, get in the word. I say, hunger. I say, thirst after your food and your drink. Eat. Awake and eat. Rise and eat. Eat of the truth. Eat of the tree of life. Eat of heaven. Eat of the the reality of who you are. Look in the mirror this week. Look in the word. Some of you used to have four by six cards that you would feed the truth to yourself. I say, get your four by six cards. It's not religious. This is like what, it's like medicine. It's like taking your vitamin every day. Feed on the word. And Father, I thank you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I just see hearts just, woo. Thank you, Jesus. We say yes to that. Amen? Amen. There are miracles all in, all mean it. You guys, seriously, miracles. I see miracles just in your workplaces, miracles. I see so much happening in your workplace. Listen, God says this, you are Smith Wigglesworth in your workplace. 
You are John G. Lake. You are. You are. Quit trying to not, to act like you're not. You are the solution to the problem. You are Jesus in it. So that resistance, start speaking to it. If your, if your body is not cooperating with your assignment, start speaking to it. Make your, get in the shower in the morning and say, okay, cells, it's time to be Jesus today. Wake up! Talk to your body. Talk to your mind. Amen? Because it's just, it's just the devil. It's just the devil. All these attacks on our bodies, on Brian's, it's just the devil. I can feel it in my back right now. Who is that? All right. Well, I just release healing right now into that lower back. I just speak right now to that vertebrae, to the muscles. I just release healing right now in Jesus. Woo! In Jesus' name. <laughs> wow. Wow. I just release that. Wow. Yeah. Amen? All right. Praise God. Speak, speak, speak. I just see y'all speak in the mountains. Speak, speak, speak. Amen? All right. You're blessed. We'll see you next week.